2: Welcome back to Old Montana Cowboy Podcast. I'm Merle, I welcome you to the, the scariest channel in these here. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for
1: professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
2: Tonight we got ourselves a tale about a group of campers and a park ranger who wandered too deep into Bigfoot's stomping grounds. You all best grab your overalls and strap in cuz it's gonna be a hair-raising adventure. <music> to put story in context, I'm a native American. I still remember the first time I heard the ancient tale of the Wendigo. A malevolent spirit that haunted our tribe for generations. It was a chilling autumn evening and the elders had gathered us around the fire to share the stories of our ancestors. The dancing flames flickered against the starry sky, casting eerie shadows upon the faces of the curious and the fearful alike. According to the legend, the Wendigo was once a member of our tribe. It had been transformed into a monstrous creature after being consumed by greed and hunger during a harsh winter. The Wendigo now stalked the wilderness surrounding our village, preying on those who ventured too far into the forest. Its insatiable appetite for human flesh was said to be our tribe's greatest curse. I grew up with this story, always feeling a sense of unease whenever I strayed too far from the safety of our village. But as I grew older I began to see the tale as a mere superstition, a cautionary fable designed to keep us in line. That was until the day we discovered the first mutilated body. It was a crisp morning and the air held the promise of an early snowfall. I had joined a group of hunters in search of game when we stumbled upon the gruesome scene. The remains of one of our tribesmen, torn apart and half-eaten, lay strewn across the forest floor. The horror in the eyes of my companions was unmistakable, and I knew then that the Wendigo was more than just a story. We returned to the village in a state of shock, bringing with us the grim news. The elders convened a council to discuss our next course of action. It was clear that we had to act, lest more lives be lost to the Wendigo's voracious hunger. In the following days, we fortified the village setting up barriers and traps to keep the Wendigo at bay. We made a pact to stand together to protect one another from the monster that had haunted our people for so long. And every night we gathered around the fire, praying to the Great Spirit for guidance and strength. The Wendigo was cunning, and it tested our resolve time and time again. It would sneak into the village under the cover of darkness, stealing away with one of our own. The cries of anguish from the bereaved echoed through the night, and our fear of the creature grew. But, with each new loss, our determination to stand against the Wendigo only grew stronger. I learned the art of hunting and tracking from the tribe's greatest warriors, honing my skills in the hope that one day I might be the one to finally rid our people of the Wendigo's curse. My chance came on a moonless night when the Wendigo attacked one of our sentinels and followed its tracks through the snow, my heart pounding in my chest as I closed in on the beast. As I crept through the darkened forest, I felt the presence of the Great Spirit guiding me, leading me towards my destiny. When I finally confronted the wendigo, its eyes blazed with a malevolence that shook me to my core. Yet I stood my ground, my bow taut my arrows sharp, with a battle cry that echoed through the trees. I loosed an arrow, striking the wendigo in its heart. It howled in pain and rage, but before it could lunge at me, I fired another arrow, this time hitting it squarely between the eyes. The wendigo collapsed, its evil spirit dissipating like a cloud of smoke into the cold night air. As I stood over the fallen beast, I knew that I had fulfilled my purpose. When I was in high school about ten years ago, I witnessed a pair of slightly glowing yellow eyes looking into my house from the back door. Mmm. The creature probably stood seven, eight feet tall, and the only thing that I could see in the darkness were its glowing yellow eyes. I liked in a suburban neighborhood in East Texas. There was a room full of family in the dimly lit living room which was connected to this back door. They were eyes for sure, not lights or headlights or anything reflecting off of the glass. I looked into this creature's glass like glowing yellow eyes and felt it was intelligent despite only being able to see its eyes and nothing else. It didn't necessarily scare me per se. I didn't tell anyone at all actually. I just turned around and smoked on my front porch instead of out back. Does anyone know what creature I might have saw that day? Do you guys think it may have influenced my actions by keeping me calm and not alerting my family members that were just a couple steps away? I think about it every time I see any form of glowing eyes, which is pretty often. In January 2019, I noticed something lumbering down my driveway. The window I was looking out faces over and above the drive, if that's clear. For example, I can see the roof of your car, but not always the bottom of the tire. Regardless, I notice movement. I look out and see what I initially thought was a bear, nose to the ground. Kinda snuffling its head side to side, casually walking down the drive on all fours. A little geographical clarity. I live in town. The front of my neighborhood faces a major highway, but the back is all state game lands. I've seen some wildlife turkeys, a deer here and there, and every skunk in the county apparently lives on my street. I don't see many squirrels, groundhogs, or chipmunks, which is a bit odd. I'm not very far from the city of Scranton. Enjoy, office fans. About seven miles from downtown. So I'm not exactly in the sticks. I watch this bear mosey down toward the street, its head lowered. I move from the living room window to my bedroom window that has a full view of the street. Sure enough, here it comes, but something is wrong. I watch this nut bear stand on two legs and casually walk out into the road. I see pointed ears and a long snout. It's got its head raised, smelling the air. I felt pee run down my legs. This was no bear. I saw it in perfect silhouette under the yellow streetlight. It was either dark gray or black. The yellow light threw off the true color. It stood without effort, looked like one fluid movement. It then walked across the road, casual as you please, and kind of hunkered down in some scrub brush. I'm not sure what kind of brush, but it's like forsythia, all tangled and thick. Then I realized it was looking right into my bedroom. It had blue eyes. I'm not sure if that was reflected light if they were glowing. It looked right at me. I lost my legs at that moment and sat down under my window. Absolutely panicked. I was home alone with five cats and a dog who slept through the whole thing. I didn't know what to do. My window is a big picture window and if it wanted me it easily could have gotten me. I cautiously got on my knees to peek over the sill and I lost it. Didn't see eyes or it anywhere. It seemed to be either moving away from the forest behind my house, or it decided to rest up in that scrub brush. What I saw under the street light is as follows. Darkish fur, high-pointed ears. Long muzzle. I never saw teeth, or if it had a tail. It had hands with long claws that hung kind of limp wrist. If they were fully extended, they would hang below the knee. It walked digitigrade on dog legs. It looked heavily muscled, but had a tapered waist. It was about seven feet tall, judging from where it stood in relation to the street light. It was non-aggressive, even when I felt it look right at me. I was terrified, but I didn't get a sense that it was pissed off it had been seen, as some people report. I didn't take a picture because I simply didn't think to. I was in a fair amount of shock, and sure I'll eat crap for this. but. Sometimes your phone is the absolute last thing on your mind. The next day I called Vic Dogman Encounters Radio. His advice was solid, and I try and remember it when I have to go out at night. There have been some odd sounds tapping at my window. I can hear scratching in the siding. I don't see that many animals around the neighborhood. There used to be about seven stray cats I fed, all gone. Once the weather broke, it's been quiet. I installed motion lights and bought two game cameras. I'm hoping they are in a sense like Sasquatch. They avoid game cams. I don't ever want to see this thing again. Those of you who want to see one, pray you never do. My encounter was non-aggressive. I can't imagine having to deal with this thing pissed off. I still can't sleep a full night and every sound scares the hell out of me after dark. I live alone and the 357 I own would probably just ruffle its fur thank you for taking the time to read this it was a terrifying animal to see i hope i never see it again but sadly that wasn't in the cards i'll post that story another time as i gazed out over the vast expanse of the grand canyon national park i couldn't help but feel awestruck by its sheer size and beauty the towering cliffs The winding Colorado River far below and the rich red rock formations all around me were simply breathtaking. It was a peaceful moment, but my peace was shattered by a sudden blood-curdling scream that echoed through the canyon. I quickly realized that it was the cry of a park ranger in trouble. I ran towards the sound and soon spotted Ranger Lori lying on the ground, writhing in pain. She was being attacked by a massive furry creature almost as tall as the trees around us. It was a Bigfoot, or Sasquatch, or whatever you want to call it. But I knew I was looking at something straight out of a horror movie. The beast was clearly angry, and its eyes locked onto me as I approached. It was clear that it was going to come after me next. I was terrified, but I had to act fast. I reached for my gun, but before I could even get it out of my holster... The creature lunged at me, its massive claws flashing in the sunlight. I dodged the first attack, but barely. It was like being hit by a freight train, and I was tossed aside like a rag-doll. I tried to scramble away, but the creature was relentless. It came at me again and again, each blow knocking me farther and farther away. Finally, I realized that there was no escaping it. I knew that I had to fight back, or I was going to die. I stood up and stared the creature in the eyes. It was a terrifying sight, but I gritted my teeth and prepared to face it head. On I charged at it, trying to dodge its huge claws, and aimed my gun at its chest. The next few seconds were a blur of violence and chaos. The creature and I collided, and I managed to get a shot off, but it was too late. Its claws raked across my chest, and I fell to the ground, bleeding and gasping for air. The last thing I saw before I lost consciousness was the creature, disappearing back into the woods, leaving me there to die. When I awoke, I was in a hospital bed. My wounds were severe, but somehow I had survived. The doctors told me that they had found me just in time, and that I had been lucky to escape with my life. I was grateful to be alive, but the experience had left me deeply shaken. Over the following weeks, I pieced together what had happened. The Bigfoot was real, and it had attacked Ranger Lorry, just as it had attacked me. But there was more to the story than that. I learned that there were others who had seen the creature and who had even tried to capture it. And that was when I realized the truth. There was a conspiracy at work. Someone somewhere was covering up the existence of this creature. They didn't want people to know that Bigfoot was real, and that it was a danger to those who lived and worked in the park. Ranger Laurie had been betrayed, and so had I. We had been left to die, sacrificed for the sake of secrecy. It was a bitter pill to swallow, and one that still haunts me too. This day. The Grand Canyon National Park is still a beautiful place, but now I see it through a different lens. It's a place where danger lurks in the shadows, and where secrets are kept at all costs. I don't know what the future holds, but one thing is certain. The memory of that terrible day will stay with me for the rest of my life. I have debated posting this because I don't know if it's classified as paranormal or just a weird event. This event happened around November 2022, and it was 8 p.m. I was by myself at the entrance area of the school. My dad and I go to evening or night school. I'm studying computer science and math. Dad studies mechanical engineering. At that time, I had the three first periods free because my teacher was sick, and I was hanging out at my dad's class when I saw that the break was coming up after it. I had class, and because of the distance, I decided to cross the campus so I won't be late to class. The break was ten minutes, and it took eight minutes to cross the campus at a normal pace, but due to my osteoarthritis, sometimes my legs are heavy and my walking is slow. That day was a day that my legs were heavy and my osteoarthritis was flaring up and my pace was very slow, so at 8 p.m. I was waiting for the bell to ring, signaling the first break, and I was sipping my hot chocolate from my thermos after having gone to the school cafeteria to get some ice cubes to put in because it was too hot. I was about to start scrolling through my phone since I was by myself, and I felt very on edge. I was coming down from a week-long anxiety attack, and thinking it was because of that I felt on edge. To my left, there's this entrance door that leads to the second school on campus, my old high school and where I was about a few minutes ago. Since my dad's class is located in the basement of that building, outside that building there is a lamp post, and I turned to see it. A second after my eyes set on it, I noticed it was flickering. I thought nothing of it, thinking that it must be bugs flying around it, or because of what is happening with the energy crisis our town is lowering the voltages causing That flickering as they did during C-19 lockdowns. Hence why I don't think it's paranormal, but what makes me post this here is how the flickering and the black that appeared in between it started becoming bigger. And bigger every time. Three times flickered and the third time the black spot was very big. Then there was an oomph sound from everywhere and nowhere at the same time before almost the entire campus was dived into darkness. Everything was dark except the classes. I could see the lights from the space under the door. The darkness lasted for maybe two or three minutes I jumped up and walked. As fast as my legs would allow to the cafeteria to ask the lady behind the campus.
0: Selling a little? Or a lot? And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
2: ...counter and the cleaner that was with her chatting if they were okay. To get to them from where I was, it would take me a minute tops, but... When I entered the cafeteria the lights came back on and when I asked they said there was no power outage. Confused I walked back to the bench I was sitting at and everything was normal. The bell went off and a break ensued. But in the minutes of darkness it was completely silent and I felt dread and on edge even a bit of fear. I'm used to power outages from living on an island growing up that had many times run out of power throughout the winter. So I always carry a flashlight with me, and I make sure my phones always have flashlights. What was that darkness? Why was I the only one to live through it? I asked my dad, and he said there was no power outage. Same answers from fellow classmates and my mom when I asked them. Any theories? Hey all, I have worked overnight at a nursing home for about... Three years now. During my time here, we've probably had 60-plus people pass. I've noticed that sometimes when certain strong-willed people pass, there's some sort of electrical disturbance that happens. I used to think it was just a coincidence, but it has happened like eight-plus times since I've been working overnight. It can last up to two weeks after someone passes. Some examples. One lady passed at around 9 p.m., There is a door that leads outside, two doors down from a room. The door is always locked and requires a number combo to unlock. The door's silent alarm tripped at 11.30 p.m. The door alarms only go off if someone opens it. After 10, it's just overnight crew and we stick together. We checked it out and there was no one there. It happened two more times a few days apart. A man passed near the front of the building. The silent alarm for the front door went off every night at around 2 a.m. It happened for about a week, and then it stopped. One lady passed at 12. We were watching TV, and all of a sudden it felt like a shockwave passed through the building. The lights in the TV area flickered off and on for a quick second. The TV turned off and turned back on. I joked that maybe that lady had passed. We checked on her and she had just passed, her body was still warm. Her neighbor's TV had also turned on and was on a static channel. Each room has a button on the wall that sends an alarm to the caregivers. We have had those go off multiple times in rooms where people have recently passed. Always freaks us out when it happens. To this day, I haven't seen anything, but too many electrical disturbances happened close to someone's passing for it to be a coincidence. Has anyone else experienced any stuff like this? My son has convinced me to contact you. I will tell your organization of our encounters. On November 28, 2008, I was visiting a friend's house in Lacey Spring, Alabama. His house is in a small, middle-class neighborhood with mountains and woods, that stretched for miles behind his home. I woke up to use the bathroom at about 4 a.m. and had just laid back down when I began to hear loud vocalizations. The sounds were very similar to the Ohio and Mississippi recordings. I was inside the house and his heating unit was running, so they must have been very loud outside. I got up and went out on his back deck, but by the time I got there they had stopped. I listened for about ten minutes and heard nothing. The heating unit was next to the deck and was quite loud, so I decided to go back inside. By the time I started to fall asleep, it started again the howls lasted about three minutes. Then stopped. I thought that it might be my friend snoring in the back bedroom, but I believe this was so because the neighborhood dogs were barking throughout the area in response to the howls. At this point I knew something outside was making the noise. I wanted to go into the woods for a better listen, but walking into the woods with no one in the know and not prepared for self-defense or to photograph or record the creature did not seem like a wise proposition. The howling started and stopped three more times and finally finished at dawn. I talked with my son about what I heard, and he and I have also had an encounter with this animal in the past. It was late in the fall. I was bored and decided to go fishing. I was fifteen years old at the time. I grabbed my rod and my tackle box and started down the trail to a small pond. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon, and a quarter mile down the trail it came across one footprint. Only one. I thought it was odd that someone this time of year would be walking barefoot. I put my boot in the middle of the foot front and it was bigger than my boot. At that time, my shoe size was ten and a half inches. I continued down the trail to the pond. Just before I reached the pond, the bushes got thick on both sides of the trail. It opened to a clearing alongside the pond. After walking through the bushes to the clearing, to my right was a deer, a small doe, about 125 pounds. It was no more than six feet away. It looked at me, and I looked at it. Strangely, it wasn't scary to me. It just kept staring in the direction i was headed looking in that direction and then looking back at me and then looking back in that direction i looked to see what it was looking at but there was nothing she looked at me and turned to the thick bushes behind her and slowly walked into them then took off quickly like a shot i walked around the pond over an old tunnel to a beachy area on the other side to fish I made about two casts with a spinner when a large rock hit the water above the path that I took to the pond. There was an old trolley trail that went over the tunnel. The hill was covered in trees, and you could barely see the old trail. (laughs) I thought it was just some kids messing around, so I yelled, I'm trying to fish. That's when all hell broke loose. Several large rocks all started to hit the water at the same time, and this kept going for several seconds. I mean absurdly large rocks, about 15 to 20 pounds each. When one hit the beach about ten feet away from where I was standing, I turned and grabbed my tackle box and ran. I didn't even reel the pole in all the way. I just ran a quarter of a mile as quickly as I could, found the main road, and walked home. Two weeks before, I had been walking home from a friend's house and used the same area as a shortcut to go through. I was on the lower path when I could hear two deep voices. It sounded like two men talking and was coming from the upper path. This was around ten, thirty at night, and I could not make out the language or what they were saying, but both voices were very deep. I got a feeling of dread like I was trespassing and felt very threatened. I was too scared to look. I just stared three feet in front of me on the trail until I got to a large opening in the trail. It led to an open field that was about twenty acres of land that my backyard butted up against. That's when the feeling and the voices stopped. Then I ran out of there as fast as I could run and straight for home. Two years later I was walking down the road through the woods that cut through the backside of that property. It was a warm July night and about nine o'clock at night I heard large tree limbs snap and hit the ground alongside a stream that led to the pond. There was a slight breeze blowing that night. I told myself it must have been the wind. But then in the same spot a 20-foot tree started to shake and hit the ground. This tree was alive, fully grown with green leaves. I backed up the road 100 yards so I couldn't see the area anymore. In a moment of horror, I turned and ran like hell until I got home. I'd never been back to that area or a pond ever again. It was a large dog, but it didn't quite match the typical description of a dogman. It looked fake like someone put on a costume. It looked like a cross between a domestic dog breed and a wild dog. Its belly was brown, but the rest of the fur on its body was mostly black. It was kind of fluffy and had hair on the tips of its ears. The reason why I described it as being dogman-like is because it almost fit the appearance. It had huge paws with claws. I once saw a bear, and this thing's paws were about the same size as a bear's paws. This thing stood up on two feet as I drove by. I was curious and wanted to pull over and get a better look at it, but the driver behind me must have been scared because he rear-ending me and maintained speed after I switched to the emergency park lane. I slowly started to brake, but he honked, and I gave up trying to stop. My plan was to stop and try to take a picture and drive off as fast as I could. I saw this thing between Elk Point and Vermilion. This happened when I was seven years old. I'm sharing this because my older brother reminded me of it now that I'm 24 and now I can't get it out of my head. This was very traumatic for me because after this event a bunch of other things started to happen. This is how it started growing up, and now I live in a haunted state, and I lived five miles away from the most victorious haunted forest. My mom used to tell my brothers and I about what she would hear walking by the forest, the murders that happened, and about how she used to see puke wedgies. My older brother, eleven at the time, let's call him Dan, and I, seven female, were watching TV in the living room. It was dark outside, must have been a new moon. If you were sitting on the couch and looked to your right, you would see the glass sliding door, which viewed the backyard. Mind you, it was an acre lawn, and tall trees lined the perimeter. I was tired and decided to get my ritual glass of milk before bed when I stood up and saw what was glaring at me through the glass door. It was tall, taller than the F door. It was skinny in the torso, but its chest was broad. It was white, with tall ears. I want to say it looked like the white version of Donnie Darko. I was about 15 feet from the glass door. I froze. It didn't move. It just kept looking at me. It could not have been anyone else because we lived in the middle of the woods. I started calling for my brother's name, but Dan wasn't answering me. I started to get louder, now calling for my mom. Her room was on the other side of the couch, so she was there in a heartbeat. She looked at the back door, looked at Dan, then told me to just sit back down. I couldn't understand why I was the only one freaking the fuck out. I laid on the couch facing away from the glass door. Dan puts a blanket on me and we both fell asleep on the couch. Well, twenty-twenty, one, Dan calls me from jail. He's been in and out since I was thirteen, this is how the conversation went. Dan, hey, can I ask you something? Me. What's up, Dan? Do you remember that night? Me. What night? Dan. That night where you were freaking out. We were young. Remember that tall, scary looking thing that was at the back door? Me. I had a flashback of that night. Dan. Look, I had a dream about it last night. And I wanted to tell you that I saw it too. I was too scared to do anything. Mom saw it also. The combo ended because he only had so much time on the phone. I felt relief, that I knew I wasn't just having a schizophrenic hallucination episode, but my body went numb from the memory of being so scared. I told my soulmate about it. He's my best friend. My friend told me that I came face to face with a Wendigo, and how he wasn't be surprised because of the small country town I lived in. When I looked up, What a windigo was, my heart sank. That's what I saw. Now I think about it every day. It's been a year since I was reminded of it. I believe it still follows me. So this happened last year and almost every year I go to Palatka and go to a place called the Badlands. It's a giant tree farm that his family owns, but in general it's in the woods. So one day we were hanging at the angel tree, which is just a nice, giant, beautiful tree. And we heard a turkey because it's the wild. So my friend Andrew made the joke of saying how you never know when you have to shank a turkey. Either way, we went to go check it out. After we got like five feet onto the trail, the noises from the turkey stopped. Then I hear to my left, while Andrew heard it to his right... We hear footsteps footstep now. Of course, you could have said how there's deer and other wild like which there is, but it sounded like human footsteps, like you know the distinct noise of bare feet. That's what it sounded like. The second we heard that we ran to the all-terrain vehicle and went back to the house, I looked up if there is Navajo grounds in Florida, and I kind of found something, I think, but the articles were all over the place. Ever since then, we haven't heard it again since, but we don't feel that safe going out in those woods anymore, especially at night. Now again, I know this is a Skinwalker subreddit, but I don't know if this was a Skinwalker or a Wendigo or anything at all. My mom lives in Sun Valley in one of the last neighborhoods at the base of the Sawtooth Mountain Range. So to give a better idea, it's past Sun Valley Ski Resort on your way to Stanley Redfish Lake area, but a bit before Smiley Creek Lodge. Anyways, the house sits next to the road with a tree line in front of it, and across the way is wooded area with a small river running through it. My husband and I would spend many nights on the front porch with his mom as she doesn't sleep much and occasionally would sleep in the trailer out front, and every time you'd get this horribly uneasy feeling that something was watching you, "'There's plenty of wildlife out there, dear. Elk, bears, raccoons, etc., that would come into the yard at night. "'But this being-watched feeling always made you scan the trees. "'Like something was hiding in the trees, just watching us wait. "'The most notable times, it'd be the middle of summer, no wind, "'and you'd hear the trees rushing and see them moving as if something was moving in them. "'We'd see a much darker figure moving about them. Tall Slender, if you ever heard of Slender Man.' this is what I can most relate the figure to. The nights we'd sleep in the trailer, you you could hear something tapping on the doors and windows. We'd blame the trees, but the trees honestly weren't close enough to tap like that. And her dog would always run to the same spot in the front yard, back yard, and garage, and just start barking like there was an intruder every night. Sometime when you'd go to get the dog to stop barking, You'd hear something in the distance move off quickly, would try to brush it off as wildlife. But it was always the same places, and it would be the darkest areas. Pretty sure the dogs saw something we didn't. I've had other experiences with the dreaded feeling of being watched or followed and seeing a tall, slender shape amongst the trees. Both in the Sawtooth Mountain Range, the South Hills, most creepy experience there, and my own neighborhoods in town. (laughs) I really believe Idaho is full of cryptic unknown creatures simply because of the emptiness and all the strangeness that Idaho seems to harness. Totally believe you guys ended up camping in something's home and you were not welcomed. Glad everyone is okay.